Should you have more of a delicate touch when you're working with high performers and top achievers while you're coaching and mentoring them? And do platitudes have any place in our coaching and mentoring work that we do with clients? Also, how can a mantra dramatically change your introductory discovery or right fit calls when clients are just getting to know you and the possibility of working with you for the first time. Well, we're going to cover all of that and a lot more with award-winning coach and expert Alyssa Cohn, who is a published author of a fantastic book for startup founders. She's worked with leaders at companies like Venmo and Google. She's really known for being the coach to startup entrepreneurs and founders. She's highly regarded and has a global set of clients. Plus, she has a long history in the coaching and mentoring space. What I really like about this one is us going all the way back to where it started as well, and then eventually her finding her niche that she has excelled in. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Alyssa Cohn, the author of From Startup to Grown Up. Welcome to the UpCoach Podcast for modern coaches and creators with your host, Todd Herman. In 20 minutes or less, our goal is to share one big idea that will transform your coaching and your business. So let's get into today's episode. Alyssa, we were just jamming and you just said something that I appreciate, that you are the anti-platitude person. Explain that. Yes. Thank you, Todd, for having me. So to me, so many coaches and people who do what we do express themselves in platitudes like, oh, my wise thing I'm going to say, you've got to plan the work so you can work the plan or whatever. And the problem with that is it just completely negates what it actually takes, the nuanced, difficult, step-by-step work of change that it actually Mm -hmm. takes for the people I work with, startup founders and other senior executives. And I would just say, They've already done the easy things. They've already done the medium things. The hard things really take that inner, delicate inner work of um, understanding what's in the way and using tactics and frameworks to get there, Mm. not just overarching platitudes that I think some people write about and talk to their clients about. You know what? So there's a couple of things you just said there that I want to make. So- I fell into this trap a while ago, a long time ago now, of I hear someone say, you know, strategies are more powerful than tactics. If you don't have a strategy, the tactics don't matter. And yet, oftentimes, it's those small little tactical things that are exactly what caused, in your case, like working with startup companies and companies that are kind of breaking through that scaling kind of algorithm part. It's the tactics that actually got them there. For example, Airbnb, their tactic of taking the open API of Craigslist and listing their Airbnbs on Craigslist, that's how they got their traffic. That is a tactic. That's not a strategy necessarily. And so the the thing that I always encourage coaches on is we're the ones that are in the gutter every single day. And because we're in the gutter, you know, like when I say gutter, I mean, we're on the field with people in the muck and the mire, in the nuance, like you just said, and we're the ones who find the tactics. Yes, hundred percent, and or help them find the tactics. Right? It's like not yes. always. It's not always for me as a coach. I'm walking beside my client, and sometimes I'm reminding them what they already know. So creating space for them to 
look inward and really understand what has to happen. And then sometimes I'm an expert having done this for 22 years and I'm able to, you know, give specific advice. And one thing that comes to me, to my mind is around communication. So you've got to be able to communicate Mm -hmm. one-on-one, large groups, small groups, and you have to have a different style for each of those elements. But also you have to realize that actually all of those are important. Otherwise they're not going to hear you. So that's one example of what, you know, it's a sort of communication as an overarching topic. But what does it actually mean in the trenches? Yeah. And communication being such a huge um, discipline to develop, you're never done. Like you're always, it's, there's no goal line for it. It's just, you're always, it's like leadership skills. You're always going to be working on your leadership. You're always, because you're never going to get done being challenged with your leadership or you're never going to be ch- done being challenged by your communication. Great example is being a parent. Like, I thought I was pretty darn good at communicating. I've spoken on big stages. I became a parent. I'm like, oh, I'm back at square one. <laughs> you know? But the other thing I wanted to ping on was you had used the word delicate when you were talking about making change happen with people. Just curious, is there any particular reason why you chose the word delicate in the unpacking of that? Um. I think that you need to have a delicate touch often to be effective with people. So when I'm interacting with my clients, what you might see is, you know, an arrogant startup founder. What I see in the sanctity of the coaching room is someone who has topics that we both care a lot about, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. or somebody who has, um, you know, a confusion about what to do. And if you push them too hard, like anybody, they shut down or they overcorrect. So the delicacy has to do with, first of all, my relationship with them, my interpersonal skills with them. And second of all, how can they sort of calibrate their style without losing who they are? And that is the delicate work of coaching. Yeah. Well, I know you talk about the kind of the value of having a diverse leadership style so that you can balance that and fit it inside of the different contexts that you're kind of operating inside of, right? Um, You know, it's that, you know, some people think, well, you know, people just have to accept me how I am. And so, well, best of luck with that because you're only (laughs) going to appeal to a a very narrow sliver of your audience or your organizational base as well. So, right. um, Right. How did you end up? Wait, sorry, Todd, can I just key on one, one thing you just said? People have to accept me the way I am. And yet who you are is actually multifaceted, right? Walt Whitman said, I am multitudes. And so which who are we dealing with here? And I think that's important for people to also understand in in light of what you said. Yeah. Well, you're stealing words right from my mouth. Um, uh, Probably 150 podcast episodes on other interviews I've said, because talking about alter egos, you know, who are you? Sometimes it's a trapping question because it depends on the context of who's asking me. If my mom asks me, that's very different than with my employer or my client or whatever the case is. Right. Um, so you've had a very long career in this space of coaching. And it, and I say with you because you're similar to me in that there's this sort of blurred line between coaching, advising, mentoring that happens as well, depending on the type of client that you're working with. So how did you end up getting into this space? And then um, who is it that you typically serve out there? Yeah. So I have had at this point a long career of 22 years. And I got into this space because I was at um, a big four accounting firm. 
I was in sort of professional services, integrated professional services, and I was on the fast track to partner. Like yeah. my life was all set. And at one day I woke up and I thought, I hope I get the flu. So I don't have to go to work tomorrow. And sure enough, 18 hours later, I was rushed to the emergency room with the flu. And I realized, no mas, this is not for me. So I had to seek what I wanted to do. And I, I just knew one thing, the music in my head was to make a difference, to make a difference if the work of my hands mattered. Then I went to a conference and I met a coach and it was like literally violins played like, oh, that is what I want to do. And that's going to be how I want to like leave my mark and make a difference in the world. Yeah. And then it was a little bit of details. You know, actually I, I, was in two, I was in two startups. I was a CFO of one startup, the head of strategy of another startup. And that all imploded in the 2000s. And so that's when I decided to start my journey of becoming a coach. And, you know, like I mean, you put one foot in front of the other. So I started yeah. coaching individuals. I started teaching adult ed. I mean, anything I could do. And then I, I sort of started working with corporate um, clients. Then I moved to New York about 15 years ago, and that's where I found my real place inside of startups, having had the startup experience, also being a CPA, so I have a strong business background, yeah. but ultimately using my coaching expertise in service of helping entrepreneurs who want to make a difference themselves. Yeah. Um, it's funny because on the business side of coaching, if I always put three circles of Venn diagram around, it's business, it's leadership. And it's performance for you. Would those be three circles kind of that you would kind of overlap yeah. with, like in topic categories with people? Yeah, that's well said. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and what I found though is when people are kind of doing business coaching, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you a business coach though, like because it's maybe too mundane. But my head of coaching, Dave, has a very similar background. And I found that people who are very good at coaching people in the entrepreneurial space have a financial background. That makes sense. Because you because I mean, it, on the performance side of things, you're looking at numbers, and in you know, if you're going to play the game of business, there is a scoreboard that is up there. You know, it's not going to tell you the whole story whether you enjoyed playing the game or not, and all that. That's a completely different soft skill side of things. But hey, you're an entrepreneur. You said you're going to do this, and this is the game you got to play. Yeah, I first of all, that's a very interesting point, and I think that's true. And I would say understanding the finances, but also to your point understanding what it takes to run a business. So young entrepreneurs, when I first meet them, I'm like, well, how's the business doing? Oh, it's great. It's up and to the right. Okay. But how do you know it shouldn't be more up and more to the right? Mm -hmm. What goals and benchmarks, what did you predict was going to happen? How are you kind of finessing or, or um, continuing to perfect your system of being able to forecast what's going to happen? What experiments are you running? How are you scoring those experiments? So, you know, the, the analytics and the metrics, whether or not they're financial, I think, that, that's where I think my expertise comes into play as well that's to great. help people understand how they need to structure themselves as they're building something which is kind of careening out of control. Yeah. Yeah. See, even that, and I'm going to take a second and talk to the listener, even that what Alyssa just unpacked there is a great example of someone who's got really deep experience and domain experience in a space because, you know, if I was scrolling Instagram or even LinkedIn and someone's a business coach, rarely would they ever want to highlight the fact that, no, you need to look at some analytics. Like, what is your forecasting or your predictive? Like, how are you knowing that this thing is working, right? Only someone who's been in the trenches, you know, whether it's in the startup spaces or been in business for a long time, would be comfortable enough to bring up those topics and understand. Yeah. Them. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Thank you for saying that. Also, yeah, Instagram is where the platitudes live. Well, yeah, exactly. And I say that because to the to the person who maybe has maybe they're not serving entrepreneurs or CEOs, but they're in health or they're in relationships or they're in marriage or they're in parental coaching or whatever, you're the same way. Like there's some real nuggets of nuance that are sitting inside of your world that if you would highlight them, because you're like, oh, that's too much in the weeds. I'm telling you, as a guy who's known as globally the expert on alter egos, like being very much defined by one specific category is typically the thing that will catapult you, you know, in your, you know, business's growth or your um, thought leadership growth. So you had said when you had started your journey into coaching, though, that you know, you, you started you know, kind of taking anything that you could, and then you sort of went into the world of, I don't know if you said corporate or CEO, but what were some of those first clientele that you were kind of going after originally? And like, do you look back at that and go, why was I trying to do life coaching? Or like, what was that world for you? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, yes. I mean, first of all, on Friday, I said, I'm going to become a coach now. And yeah. on Monday, I became a coach. So <laughs> what do you do, right? I mean, I had taken coach training and I had some yeah. tools and whatnot. I had a definitely a natural um, tendency in this direction, which is why I recognized myself in that coach. And also, I guess I was young enough to be just bold and courageous about it. Like, I'm just going to do it. But those first clients, first of all, they didn't pay me. You know, I first got five yeah. um, clients who didn't pay me in order to just get testimonials. Yep. And then I went to my gym vendor fair, you know, one night and I had people sign up for free sessions and half of them didn't even show up for the free sessions that they sure. signed up for. Right. But then one person, the number of people showed up, but then one person actually hired me, Rick Samuels. I've mentioned him many times. Thank you, Rick Samuels for hiring me for the for, who actually paid me money for the first time. What and was the you, rate? What was the rate? I want to know. It was like $200 for the month. It was three three sessions per month and it was $200, something like that. I mean, it was just crazy. But you know, that's how you start, right? One yeah. foot in front of the other. And I was life. It's a great point. Yes, I was life coaching. You know, mm. coaching is a process. It helps you figure out where are you, where are you going, and how will you get there? And you can tune that process and focus on the process in any context, in your life, in your career, mm. entrepreneurship, whatever. So I was certainly equipped to do life coaching, and that's what I did for mm, like a year or two. Again, I went to adult ed, and I did this almost yeah. like encounter session with people in money coaching. I mean, I was doing anything, and that's good. I was trying to find my way. I was pretty young. And then actually, um, one of my colleagues said, um, one of my clients is looking for someone to teach their business acumen program, and I know you're a CPA. And I thought, I'm totally going to teach their business acumen curriculum. That's totally mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. And within six months, I'm going to work my way into the leadership curriculum. That's exactly what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. I knew that was going to happen. And then I started coaching inside of that company. Yeah. And then, you, Todd, you know what it's like. Then you have references and then yes. you have experience and then you have more confidence and all of those things snowball together. But I did not take a calm breath for five years in my business. But it shows the thought leadership that you own out there, the context that you have in your market industry, the friends as well. We share a lot of mutual friends as well. Um, and it it just shows. And it, But it also maps back to what you also, I know, coach the startup founders through, which is, which is consistent with your own path, which makes you such a good coach and mentor that if you're getting into the startup game and you're, whether it's taking money, taking investment or whatever, you know, I hope you're buckled up for the ride. 
Okay. Cause there's, yeah. there's, there's a hustle and grind that's here. And I say that because there's a lot of platitudes that are being said by other people on social media saying, you don't need to hustle to be successful. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what world you operate inside of, but sports world built a business there, corporate world built a business there, small business world built a coaching, all of them coaching and training businesses, every single one, I hustled my face off and I loved the hustling my face off part because I learned so much. So, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, yeah, I, I mean, just, I'm saying because you've modeled that yourself and you're not asking other people to not do what you've already done. Right. And actually, I think it makes me a better coach for entrepreneurs because I'm not building a venture-backed company. I didn't build, also scale the companies you did, but I built my own solopreneurship yeah. business and I'm very successful as a solopreneur and also, you know, kind of have my brand out there through my writing and, and yeah. you know, so-called thought leadership. And so all of that takes time. Todd, yeah. there's no, you call it hustle, you call it whatever you want to call yeah. it. It takes time and dedication. And to your point, you better love the game. If you don't love it, you're not going to want to do it. And then you're mm -hmm. not going to be successful. Yeah. Love that. Okay. So now I want to transition into the, the one thing that you have found or that's made a big difference in whether it's your ability to get clients results, build rapport and relationship, you know, help them to serve them in whatever way. I'm I'm curious from your extensive career that you've had what one of those things would be because there would be many but what's one? Yes, the one thing I want to share is that I quickly uh, I early on created my mantra which is add value in 20 minutes. Oh, and when I'm meeting with a prospect, also with clients, with anybody, I always have it in my head. I'm here to add value. How can I add value to this person in 20 minutes? And that shows up in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's asking questions that nobody else has asked them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's listening and really hearing the undertones of what they're saying and then mirroring that back to them. Sometimes it's actually sharing a practical tool that they yeah. find very helpful. Yeah. One way or the other, I've been successful, but I've also served my clients by having this idea in my head about how can I add value in 20 minutes? Uh, I, there's so many things I love about this. Um, one, the UpCoach podcast is supposed to be giving you one great idea in 20 minutes or less. I'll be honest, I fail at it frequently because uh, I like talking to people like you and it goes 25 minutes or whatever. But um, I'm curious, why did you, so adding value, because people say that great, great platitude. I'm, yeah. I'm here to add value. But why did you add the in 20 minutes or less? Because I know, because again, a part of, a part of your beliefs about coaching and leading people is, very much about the importance of the clarity of goals that you would be setting inside of your startup. And so I'm curious if maybe it comes from that or, or where did that come from? Well, it's because people are busy and they're impatient and I want them to have an experience of working with me, which is going to be powerful and which mm -hmm. is going to be valuable. And so again, that's an initial meeting. And then when I work with my clients, I have the same you know sort of idea in my head but I will, of course, say that when I'm working with a client for you know months and years, we really go deep and we don't always sort of, how can I say, have come out with a specific outcome in that specific meeting. Sure. However, when I'm always looking for what is, what is needed here, it's a question I'm asking, what is needed here? How can I serve? How can I be useful here? That's another way to you know, sort of think about adding value. But initially, 
it really has to do with the sense that people want to really understand how can you help me? And I want to showcase that. Yeah. And the way to showcase that is to demonstrate it. Do you have an example of someone that, because sometimes the challenge when you've built up context in a marketplace is you've got a lot of people that are coming to you that are fans of you and they kind of want to be around you sometimes, but they're not really coming for what I would want, which is a real desire and need to change something. They kind of want to get to know you. And, you know, I would say our, my company systems, we're, we're good at picking up on, on that stuff. And that's wonderful. That's fine. I, I get it. And I appreciate it. But I say that because when you have someone that's come to you who doesn't really have much context around Alyssa and they get onto a discovery call or a right fit call, whatever it is for you, do you have any examples of like someone like 10 minutes in or 15 minutes in going, you just yeah. blew my mind or like, and what was the context of that? Yeah. I mean, multiple examples. I'll just share one. So what I will say is, so what's something that we can spend 10 or 15 minutes in a little coaching moment so that you can understand what it's like to do coaching with Alyssa? Because the, I, the best way for you to figure out how to do coaching with Alyssa is to Brilliant. do coaching with Alyssa, right? And so what's on your mind? We can't solve world peace. What's on your mind that we can talk about? Often, they talk about people issues. I don't need to know anything about the business. I don't yeah. need to know anything about the business. It's about, I have this vice president and the vice president isn't, you know, somehow cutting it, isn't, at, you know, yeah. isn't, isn't cutting it. So then I say, what, what conversations have you had already? And this has actually happened. Oh, well, he needs to do this and he needs to do that. And he needs to, yeah, I totally love that. Totally understand. What conversations have you had with him already? Well, he knows, <laughs> right? So what I'm unpacking very quickly is actually you haven't had any conversations with this person. Mm -hmm. And so now the interesting question back to delicate is why not? You're a very successful person. You're building a business. It's not because they're stupid. It's not because they are unskilled. But then I delve into what's in the way. And it might be in this case, it was, I'm afraid if I bring up anything, he's so sensitive, he's going to quit. I said, oh, wow, what would happen if he quit? Well, to be honest, in some ways, things would get better. Really? Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> right? So that, I mean, I could just keep quoting the actual transcript of the yeah. conversation we had to the point where within 10 minutes, it was clear this person's going to have a conversation with the VP. And also I helped... I helped her put together a script of like, what are yeah. you going to say? And what are you going to say if the person starts getting defensive? And what are you going to do if the person quits? And yeah. we covered all of that in 15 minutes. And that, I mean, I could just over and yeah. over again, I could share that with you. But the reason it's valuable is because they have in the back of their head avoiding it. And yes. now it's at the front and they have an action plan. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my, that was going to be the, that's the first thing that came up because you see that oftentimes in people problems. And I mean, the vast majority of problems that you're going to be finding at this leadership level is going to be about, you know, their environment, which is the people in the social context around them. Right. Um, yes, totally. And so I go into like, okay, well, avoidant. And there's typically a protocol of, you know, how to get past avoidant behavior. And, you know, as was for the longest time, the number one way to cure someone of a fear or phobia is, ex is exposure therapy. <laughs> So yep. that's the opposite of avoidance. Um, right. Brilliant. And I love the fact that you um, integrate a micro coaching session inside of what would be a discovery call or whatever, so you can get a, like a little moose bouche taste of what it's like to be working with you. Yeah. Um, 
when you added that in, I don't know if you did that at the very beginning, but when you added that in to these ideal clients that you're going after, any impact on the conversion to clients? Oh my God. Massive impact. Massive mm-hmm. impact. I would say that, you know, I still, I still think of my process as kind of 85% conversion more or less. And then there's this, are, are we the right fit for each yes. other? Is, are, is the fee structure going to work for you? Yeah. Um, are you committed to this? Right. So then there, there might be some details along the way, but people want to be helped. They want to make progress in coaching. It's an investment they're making. So when yeah. they see they can make progress with me, oh, through the roof, mm-hmm. people want mm-hmm. to work with me, well, which is very validating. And again, like sometimes you've got these, you've got clients or people that have been stuck inside of a purgatory of indecision for not like this has been two weeks. This is months or even years of having a semi, like not a totally toxic VP, but a semi one in some way, like not like the most pervasive problems are the ones that are like a little bit of a pebble in the shoe. Like not, it's not a nail in the shoe. It's more of a pebble. And we all deal with that. Totally. That's exactly right. Um, that value in 20 minutes, I, I so appreciate that. And to the person who's listening, the more and more reps you get with your clients and some people that listen, I know they are long in the tooth in this world. And what this causes then, I'm, I encourage people is go back and review the amount of time that you dedicate to your coaching sessions, because you might be still stuck in signing people up to 45 or six, like on your calendar, it says 45, 60 minute session or 90 minute. But like on mine for clients, there are five minute, 10 minute and 15 minute sessions. And then there's a break just on the actual um, calendar breaking page. There's actually a header that sits only book the following sessions when there needs to be a deep strategic discussion around it. Because I know I can work extremely fast. And so I, I love that that's your one thing value in 20 minutes because I can figure stuff out fast with clients too. Yeah. I see that about you. You're like a master at this. Well, um, I'll, I'll leave that comment aside. So thank you. But I wanted to go back to just something you had, all, I just wanted to highlight this more for the people, <laughs> less for you, Alyssa. But <laughs> when you were even walking through that discussion example with the client, you used a real mastery of question types in it. Like, um, what would happen if they did leave? That's a future pacing question, right? And then your other ones were clarifying type questions and discovery type questions. Like there's all sorts of types of questions that we can master. And the challenge for many coaches is we, we can all fall into a rut of asking the same type of question. And so I always encourage people to pick up a book of questions from someplace, coactive coaching, you know, shout out to you know, that book, I think it's one of the great books in the coaching industry, go into that book. And in the very back of the resources section is a whole list of types of questions. Grab one every week and reintroduce it back into your coaching style. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, Alyssa, um, as we try to promise or try to promise, you know, um, a powerful uh, podcast session in a short amount of time. So on that note, I'm going to let you go. But before I do, where can people go to learn more about you? You've got a fantastic book that you wrote for people as well. But where can people go to find you online, follow your writing? Because you do produce a lot of great content. Thank you. My book is called From Startup to Grown Up. 
anywhere books are sold. And you can come and find out more about me at my website, alyssacone.com. And you can download my five scripts to help you navigate delicate conversations and one to make your life better, alyssacone.com forward slash scripts. Beautiful. And where do you write the most? Like if I was going to, if I already follow you, but if someone else was going to go follow you, where's the best, is it, would it be LinkedIn or um, another uh, publishing channel that you would kind of write the most? All my stuff eventually gets to LinkedIn, Forbes, Inc., Harvard Business Review. Um, fast company all ultimately comes to, to, to LinkedIn. Uh, well, we're going to do a lot more follow-up uh, episodes together, Alyssa. Um, I always enjoy the time that we get to spend. Alyssa and myself and another friend, uh, Dory Clark, we, uh, we communed together during COVID times and, and, um, had a, had a few different great discussions with some other great people. Uh, yeah, so that's right. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Todd. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alyssa. Thanks for listening to the UpCoach podcast with your host, Todd Herman. I hope you got a lot of value from today's episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. You get notified when we drop our next episode every week. Just type in the UpCoach podcast in the search and click the subscribe button on your favorite listening platform. And a review, a little star rating wouldn't hurt. And finally, all the show notes, tips, links shared, and the transcript is over at upcoach.com slash podcast, where you can also get your free trial for our modern transformation platform, specifically built for coaches and creators that care. Now that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time. And of course, keep on coaching.